Hi everyone and welcome to the Mani Kamra podcast. Today we are in a conversation with Ms. Sudiksha Karki. Sudiksha is the country CEO for one of the world's largest organizations and I've had the privilege to work with Sudiksha in the past. We are going to talk about women in leadership and we would be talking about various things like gender diversity, inclusiveness in the workplaces and we'll be also listening to all the crazy stories that Sudiksha has to share. Before we start, I just want to address one thing that's really important. When we talk about gender diversity, it's unfair to talk about only two genders that's male and female because there are more than two genders. And we will be covering this in our upcoming episodes. So let's get right to today's conversation. Diksha, thank you so much for being on the Mani Kamra podcast today. Thank you so much. It's great, it's great to be here. Diksha, before you start, could you please introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Diksha Karki. I'm currently CEO and president for a youth-led organization called ISEC. Um, I've done my undergraduate in computer science from Kathmandu University. And yeah, right now I'm fully focused on my role as in president over here. Uh, apart from work, I'm passionate about dance. I'm passionate about sustainable development goals and volunteerism itself. So yeah, that's me. Right, Sudiksha, thank you so much for that introduction. And I've known you since, you know, it's been almost a year and you have been a great friend. The reason, Sadiksha, I wanted to talk about this particular topic, like this topic has been in my list. I knew that I want to talk about this, but mm-hmm. there's this one fact and, you know, I just want to throw that fact in this conversation and that fact is absurd. It is disturbing. And that fact is actually the reason, you know, that pushed this conversation mm-hmm. ahead, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact is there are more CEOs named David than there are mm-hmm. the number of women CEO in the world. And mm-hmm. this is so much disturbing, like plain failure of the system. And I have had the opportunity to be led by an amazing woman, uh, Shubhangi Thakur. And I know, you know, the women leadership is phenomenal. So I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about this. You have been leading one of the world's largest organizations. You are uh, the country CEO for ISEC in Nepal. Right. Mm-hmm. And my question to you, Sadiksha, is why is diversity mm-hmm. important? And, you know, focusing only on gender diversity. My two cents here would be, you mm-hmm. know, diversity of any kind brings a lot of mm-hmm. diverse ideas, diverse thoughts and, you know, diverse strategy as well. The strategy, let's mm-hmm. say, so we both have worked with people from various countries uh, from Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, India, and you, now you are based in Nepal. I was based in Nepal as well. Each person brought a lot of various thoughts, various ideas. And and one another advantage of having a diversity is 
like you know you get you get to be out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. because you know if we are living with same kind of people working with the same kind of people it kind of becomes our mm-hmm. comfort zone because you know we are very much familiar mm-hmm. with the tradition we are very much familiar mm-hmm. with the uh, you know the thought process right and mm-hmm. kind of we are tuned you know for the same chain of thought but then when a person mm-hmm. from let's say another background another culture uh, another gender mm-hmm. comes into the team and then you know they they actually disrupt the tuning and that's actually a good thing because you get to be out of your comfort zone and you know as the phrase goes yeah, the your growth happens when you get out of your comfort zone so that's my mm-hmm. two cents why is it really important to have diversity uh, what would be your you know what do you what do you have to say on this I I completely agree with uh you know the things that you have just mentioned but I would like also to highlight about how did it started from the very beginning um you know why we have actually the problem of um gender inclusion in in any part of the work or in any part of the world as of now right so let me start with the problem statement itself and then I would link it to why is it important so from the human civilization itself um you know there are a lot of myths there are there are a lot of theories there are a lot of facts that scientists that lots of mythologies follows right and one of them like uh, there are a lot of similarly hindu uh, in in hindu culture itself in religion itself we have a lots of mythologies that we follow and if we just look through it and read through it in a lot of part in a lot of parts of these uh, these books and these um these myths that we have we find a lot of phases as well and in those phases itself when we uh, listen to these stories it's quite fascinating it's quite interesting but there also you'll find a lot of uh, gender biasness gender inequalities and a lot of things that led to the thought process of to uh, people of today's world you know that is something i think that has that has stuck in our head and uh, and in in the people of today's world or even even in in this century particularly in most developed countries as well and also uh, in the developing countries so there has been this one thought process of patriarchy and male dominated society since a very very long period of time whether it uh, it it is from ramayan where uh, where where ram was a dominating husband when sita was uh, you know taken by ravan and then she had to go through the uh, agni pariksha itself so there also we see a lot of examples uh, you know um, where even the god also shows gender biasness so that is how the you know thought process has been rooted in in most of the communities in the world this is just an example of ramayan which just popped in my head but there are a lot of other other um, assumptions rather lots of other mythologies that has been worshiped and acknowledged and also uh, you know lived um, lived by a lot of people so i think this is how the thought process has been uh, has been has been set uh, set to a human mind uh because of which there are a lot of inferiorism that happens within you know girl and a boy um in these two gender itself and that has been continuing since hundreds of year uh, of human civilization so that is something that brought a problem which is which is uh, rooted in in people's head and that is passed by generation to generation to, to generation itself right and there, there there was this one quote itself tradition is 
peer pressure, pressure from dead people. I think you told me that uh, that a few 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 months ago. So that was that was kind of stuck in my head, and I, I started thinking about particularly that term itself. So the problem. Uh, has not been arrived just now, but it has been since a very, very long period of time. But uh, something that is happening good right now uh, in this developing age in this 21st century is that people are being more self-aware, uh, be it girl or be it boy. Uh, they are being more self-aware about their strengths, about their weaknesses, about their world around uh, about environment so these kind of things are actually bringing a lot of new different new ideas and new perspective on how people should be treated equally right so uh, even though there are even though there are a lot of um, beliefs and assumptions that uh, even if you compare a girl and a boy then in physical strengths and you know um, boys are quite strong and then girls are always suppressed uh, thinking that um, you know girls cannot pick up pick up a lot of weight and this and that but there has been and right now if we see there has been a lot of uh, we, we can see uh, girls participating in olympics for weightlifting we can see fighters so people are actually being more self-awareness at this point of time and why is it important uh, particularly i've been privileged enough that I have been working in environment where there is no gender biasness or there are very limited, you know, in negligible amount of gender biasness that I've faced in my working career. And that has made me understood that why is it so important to have perspective from every single person in the room. Inclusiveness brings uh, trust in the team. It helps to build the uh, connection. It helps uh, in performance. It helps in getting diverse ideas. So there are a lot of things. The list goes on and on. But when this does not happen, then there is a stagnant growth that any company uh, will not be able to, you know, mm, any company will not be able to break that glass ceiling uh, or, you know, do something remarkable because people will not be inclusive. People will not hear someone's thought. They will be suppressed and that will not create something remarkable. And yeah, if people wants to, if people wants to do something very remarkable and something that, uh, something that contributes to someone's life and also, some, uh, and so, and also in world, then inclusion is very, very important. And I think whatever you said about how the gender bias is actually engraved in our in our thought process in our system let's say hundreds of years ago the the job industry worked like that mm -hmm. if it was based on the uh, strength like the physical yes. strength you had if you are able to work uh, physically you know if you have that kind of strength then you get the work right and biologically the strength of a male body is more mm -hmm. than the female body mm -hmm. right and i think you know since then because uh, you know the the male or the man has been bread earning person mm -hmm. and you know and that that kind of established the dominance mm -hmm. over the, the the female gender mm -hmm. right and then it continued it mm -hmm. it went from like uh, one generation to another generation and then you know it, it mm -hmm. just became so normal to everyone mm -hmm. right and I think that's that's what has been happening right now uh, but now the job industry or, you know, like the labor industry does not work like that. Yeah. There are a lot of jobs. They, they, they work on based of your IQ, how smart you are. And, uh, you know, the, the physical strength or the physical work is really less, especially mm -hmm. in the, in the major, uh, you know, in the major part of the 
job industry, right? And you know, thank you so much, Sadiksha, for your answer. Uh, Sadiksha, the organization mm-hmm. where you work, what is the mm-hmm. current uh, gender statistic? Okay, um, so this is actually something that I'm really proud of. That my organization has always been a place where we do not treat someone special or we do not treat someone inferior but but we treat every gender equal um and you know since uh, i i think it's been already four years that i've been part of this organization and uh through the very beginning itself i have seen this that um nobody is neglected uh, everyone's thought process and everyone's opinion are being heard and also acted upon so it's proud uh, you know thing to say that right now we have uh, in in the leadership positions itself we have uh, you know 60% of uh, participation female uh, by female leaders and then rest by male right uh, and you know because i've also served in the in the same organization mm-hmm. as the ceo and you know i have that privilege during my time it was 80% 80% women and that was something that that is unheard of in the uh, you know in the industry so sure. sudiksha so what kind of culture is mm-hmm. driving this kind of uh, you know gender statistics and one thing mm-hmm. that you said and one thing that i would also want to talk about is the culture of meritocracy where your ideas your thoughts are respected they are valued irrespective mm-hmm. of anything irrespective of your gender irrespective mm-hmm. of your position mm-hmm. your your culture mm-hmm. your anything anything if you have any disability anything does not matter mm-hmm. if you have a good idea if you have a good thought if you have a good strategy you are valued right and i think that mm-hmm. is one culture that you talked about the culture of meritocracy yes. so that's something commendable uh but you know more insights into this sadiksha mm-hmm. what is the culture that has you know that has driven this kind of mm-hmm. unheard amazing statistics mm-hmm. yeah i think this question is really interesting and you know when 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 you're saying this question it actually made me reflect on to the first day of actually being uh introduced to this organization and when i was interview interviewing for for uh, for being a member of isec as well so i as a person uh, i've started i started volunteering around 6 6 to 7 years ago and it started with simply um with with a very fun motive on spending my dashai vacation in something something useful so that is how the concept of volunteering started i got a chance to work in a lot of different organization but it was it was a very small small projects that i used to do and quite fun projects which which contributed to a bigger impact and one thing that i found very common in these organizations are that even if they try their best to uh, you know make sure that they 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 are quite inclusive and then uh, they they respect opinions and these things but i quite didn't experience such when when i was working with organ, other organizations so but when i came to isec when i was even sitting in that interview hall there were five people sitting in front of me and i was there alone i felt uh, i was i was feeling very very nervous at at that point of time but one thing that i that i realized uh, in that interview and also after getting selected and after few few months being on the other side of actually taking interview of other people something that i realized is that 
that, you know, from the very beginning of our journey itself, uh, we were treated equal. So even if even if there was a boy who was sitting by my side or even if there was someone uh, with disabled who was sitting by my side and we three were competing, we were competed only on the basis of our intent and how much we can contribute to the organization and our thought process rather than how we look, which gender we're from, what do we support? No, nothing was looked upon. And only thing that was considered was how much we can contribute and how much we can give back and how much we are eager to learn. So something around passion uh, was, was, treated, was treated more rather than, you know, appearance, rather than strength rather than gender, anything as such. So we were treated like this from the very beginning. And now that thought process started to uh, embed in our head in every single member that comes to the organization. This is one thought process that that is that is made, um, you know, um, to believe to people that every person who comes to this organization is treated equally and they have equal amount of strengths and they, they have equal amount of capabilities. The only thing that you need to do over here is constantly learn and be curious and that's it. So that is the kind of culture which brings the uh, which brings the, you know, sudden mind shift and the thought process shift. Because I think the, uh, I think the generation, our generation and also previous generation have not thought of or seen these kind of culture normally in, in workplaces, in our schools or in our colleges. And that sort of affects, uh, affects our mindset and we constantly move through that. And to change that, it is, it is a really, really difficult job. But you know, if, if uh, work, workplaces like this and if organizations like this uh, will be accessible and will be available um, at most of the places. Then actually, it might uh, it might help uh, help in you know changing this kind of mind shift. So yeah, this was the entire concept of you know how uh, how I experienced it uh, when I I uh, I took that first step of actually being in this organization. And also after a few months, I got to realize from the person who, from the interviewer point of view as well, how the thought process gets shifted. So this is how the culture established in our organization. That's very interesting, Sadiksha. And uh, I hope the other organizations, the other companies actually learn from, from whatever you said. And I think a lot of companies are actually working towards creating an inclusive culture, mm -hmm. but a lot of them are also True. working for something that's called tokenism which is basically mm -hmm. you recruit people uh, let's say if they want di racial diversity they uh, they recruit people of color or if they want gender diversity they recruit uh, male they, mm -hmm. they recruit female they recruit lgbt people mm -hmm. uh, and you know then other kinds of diversity they recruit disabled people they recruit army people but a lot of organizations just do that for the sake of token mm -hmm. right uh, and I think, you know, what you spoke about meritocracy and uh, mm -hmm. valuing every, uh, every mm -hmm. person's ideas, every person's mm -hmm. uh, thoughts, every person's strategy, respective of their culture and th their gender, anything that's actually mm -hmm. very good step on, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to create an inclusive culture. And again, mm -hmm. thank you so much for that. Uh, so Diksha, I wanted to throw in mm -hmm. another fact. So this is according to the McKinsey's uh, 2012 report that only 18% mm -hmm. of women actually want to 
get into the c suite you know the your cfo chro all the c level roles right you have done three different uh, c level roles right you have led the product department and then you have led mm-hmm. the sales department and now mm-hmm. you are the ceo for the organization yes. what has motivated you mm-hmm. i think in this organization um being part of this organization actually helped me helped me in understanding what i'm passionate about and what i really want to do in my life so which is somewhere around or somewhere around contributing a lot back to the society but and also working towards uh, either sustainable development go- goals or policy making if i if i have to give a give a sector that i want to work on would be would be in improving the quality uh, quality of education system here at nepal itself so it starts with uh, with uh, how i how i got into this organization and how i started my journey uh, you know i actually started with an exchange which is one of the product of our organization that i went on exchange where i was a teacher uh, to uh, to a montessori student where i used to teach uh, courses and traditional uh, about traditional equipments and everything about um, about indonesia and particularly about bahasa uh, language and the community over there about those things and 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 as a person i love kids it was like a you know christmas and new years and dashai for me to actually be uh, among those children and teach and that actually um, helped me understood understand about myself that i love teaching and i love sharing my knowledge around people and something that i continued um, once i once i came back also i started i i started the branch of isaac and kathmandu university and when i and then i applied um, applied to the national level itself and like you mentioned yes i have handled three of the product and something that kept me going was passion for learning something new every single day and that is what keeps me excited that is what uh, makes me wake up every single morning and you know get ready for all the challenges which are ahead in 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 my isec journey and in every single role that i've taken so far it has been the most challenging phases that i have faced in my life uh, you know managing managing finances managing family managing friends to you know struggling a lot in achieving goals and every single thing that you can think of which um which which a normal person or which you know anybody would be facing in uh, in while they are working in any corporates in any organization i was feeling the same thing as well and one thing that kept me satisfied and fulfilled was the sense of realization and a uh, sense of fulfillment and satisfied after every single work is done and after after i realized that okay i've learned something out of this experience i've learned to be more uh, productive i have learned to be more efficient i've learned to tackle these kind of problems uh, so that is i think what keeps me going and also my passion towards you know something that i want to contribute after this experience as well and how th- this experience is adding up to preparing myself for something more challenging ahead in my life when i go out of this organization so yeah motivation uh, and passion for learning something new and also discovering about myself and contributing to things which are far more greater than me that is what keeps me going 
Right, Sudiksha. So, you know, to sum up your answer, and this is mm-hmm. also for the organizations to take note on, you know, how to mm-hmm. keep people, uh, you know, like Sudiksha and what, what keeps <laughs> them going is your, so first, the organization helped you to find your purpose. Second, yeah. the organization helped you to align your personal goals with the organizational goals. You True. woke up every day you know, to contribute towards your own vision, towards your own purpose, but it eventually Mm -hmm. fulfilled the the, the vision of the organization. And third thing that I got from your answer was that, uh, you know, the organization challenged you. You you really had to struggle through a lot of your uh, rules, a lot of, you know, a lot of challenges, uh, which Mm -hmm. eventually made you the person you are right now. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's a tremendous answer, Sudiksha. You also talked about your 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 cultural exchange. You went to Indonesia. Yeah. You were teaching little kids, and that was also mm-hmm. a part of uh, you know where you could discover your own um, purpose. And I think mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Thank you. And you know we will touch upon your traveling stories mm-hmm. in the later part. <laughs> Uh, something that I want to ask and you know I wanted to ask actually in the Mm -hmm. starting but you know Mm there's actually a personal really personal Mm -hmm. question and and this is and again I'm again pulling a stats 52 Mm -hmm. percent of women have the imposter Mm -hmm. syndrome which is you you think that you don't deserve where you are let's say if I'm the CEO the imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. would make me believe that I have reached here by being fraud. I don't deserve to be here. Uh, you know, which mm-hmm. obviously leads to a lot of anxiety. It leads to mm-hmm. uh, lower self-esteem, lower self-confidence, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, again, in an interview with a lot of women CEOs, uh, mm-hmm. the report says that almost 40% of the women CEO, they told that, yes, you know, we face the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. They want to ask, have you ever faced imposter syndrome? Yes, I I think my journey of, uh, you know, working uh, with, uh, with organizations, volunteering, taking up roles started with, um, you know, feeling uh, that do I even deserve or do I even, um, yeah, do I even deserve to be here or, uh, you know, what have I, what have I done to actually be in this position um, or will I be able to contribute uh, or will I be able to keep up to people's expectations? So these are the kind of questions which, which used to constantly, constantly come into my head when I when I took my first leadership position um, in in this organization. Um, so if if I have to remember, it was four years back uh, when my when the branch of um, branch of Isaac in Kathmandu University where I studied was shut down, and then. Uh, and then it was shut down at the point where I felt where you know in. 20 years of my life, when I was actually feeling very included, where I felt that, okay, you're okay in this organization, nobody is going to judge me. And I can say, I can uh, express my thoughts and actually people will listen to me. So this was something which happened, uh, which happened really, really something really amazing and something really different. 
and when i heard that the organization is going to shut down i didn't want i didn't want that to happen in any any cost so there was this motivation uh, there was this uh, constant uh, you know push in my heart that okay whatever happens i can, I, I cannot let this organization close over here because there might be a lot of people who who you know who might be going through the same journey who might be doubting themselves who might be in the closet who might you know not be able to express their thoughts so i thought that if i am like that then there might be hundreds of other people who who are having similar thoughts at this particular time so why to close such organization who can actually help them and make them feel good for once in their life so that there, there was this constant motivation uh, that was with me but um, you know but you know in times only motivation does not work uh, because there are a lot of external factors which makes you feel um, feel uh, unworthy which makes you feel less which makes you feel um, doubt yourself a lot and same thing happened with me also when i was applying for the applying for uh, you know chapter head at isaac and kathmandu university itself for someone who has been so uh, been in the organization for such a short period of time you know even thinking about applying for a leadership position was a really really difficult job and after even thinking okay okay fine so you know making mind that i want to become the uh, the chapter head of isaac and kathmandu university then uh going through the process is also really difficult and is full of doubting yourself and full of asking question like you know what will people think what if i get selected and i'll not be able to fulfill people's expectation i think this has been these are the question that has been in my head uh in every single uh leadership position that i've taken um uh, since 2015 itself and i also realized why this happens um first like i mentioned in the very first answer itself there is there is this traditional mindset stuck in our head that uh, which which tells us constantly that women or girls um are you know uh limited in their strength limited in their capabilities limited in their opportunities and there is a defined set of work for women there is a defined set of work um or you know a thought process that is given to us by um, uh, immediately after our birth you know there, there is certain rules and regulations which we have to follow since uh, since we start developing consciousness uh, consciousness about you know how this world works actually and to remove that thought process it takes a lot of time and to remove the, all those toxic uh, toxic uh, thought process and to overcome those um uh, overcome those it takes a lot of guts it takes a lot of strength mentally and physically as well which is why when you uh, when you also gave this data that a lot of girls feel they are you know uh, feels that they are, they are not worthy or they are not someone who can actually be in this position and do good that is because of these things that is because of these mindset traditional mindset which which is stuck in the head and you know if uh, women are not encouraged to even think past these experiences i was privileged enough that i got these opportunities which made me and compelled me to think but there are a lot of women girls young young girls teenagers um and you know uh, people from lgbtiq community who does not even get chance to think past these 
thought processes and experiences. It is actually really, really sad uh, to know the stats and to know the state of uh, women and uh, LGBTI community in, in this world. Very powerful answer, Sadiksha, really powerful. Um, and you know, I also want to ask you, how did you tackle all of these problems? The strength, I would like to say that this was one of, this is one of the strengths that I have is confidence. Even if someone uh, or even if people would come to me and tell me hundreds and thousands of times that you cannot do it, but so if somewhere down the line, uh, I feel and in, in somewhere in my heart, I feel that no, uh, this is just made for me. And if I don't do it, then nobody is going to do it. And there is no any other, other option than me taking these responsibilities. Then, you know, even if thousands of people come to me and say that you cannot do it, I'll still do it. So that is one of the strengths that uh, that I have and I have built uh, throughout these years of uh, struggling a lot, doubting myself a lot, being a lot of conscious, fear of uh, fear of, you know, judgment, um, overcoming all these fears, overcoming all these thought process and building a confidence um, in myself was actually the key to overcome, overcome all, all these thought processes and all these struggles. Even in, in my worst to worst days, when I felt that nothing is working out, when I felt that, uh, you know, none of the solution is working, there are no person who is supporting me, and I'm all alone over here, uh, struggling with these problems, I, I, I do get panic attack, I do get anxiety, I do get anxious, uh, thinking about all these problems. But, you know, after some point of time, after get, being all the all anxious, after, you know, uh, maybe crying out loud, after, you know, maybe punching pillows and um, expressing my emotion. One thing that pops up into my head is that, you know, uh, one question that why did I start it? And um, why am I doing this? And, uh, and then after understanding and after repeating that answer to myself that, you know what, I, I started this because of these particular reasons. I started this because I wanted to make these kind of changes. And if I give up at this point of time, then every single thing that I've done so far, every single, like, uh, like all the time, all the effort that I've put forward to uh, come to this position and come this far will all go in vain. And that keeps me motivated and that pushes me every single time, uh, you know, when these kind of thought processes and when these kind of um, thoughts uh, come to my head and makes me anxious. So yeah, this is one, one of my secret, uh, how, how I keep up and how I keep myself motivated. I think uh, when a person has a very clear why, mm -hmm. th that person can, you know, do anything. Like, you know, if you have a very clear vision, uh, then you can, you know, if not path A, then you, you, have, mm -hmm. you have an option B. Like if not, then you will create an option B because, uh, all of these things, you know, all, all these positions are just means to eventually reach your vision. And whatever you said, Sadiksha, is very powerful, mm -hmm. very clear. And thank you so much for mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, being so much vulnerable. It takes a lot mm -hmm. of courage, uh, you know, being vulnerable on a platform like this. And, you know, another thing that I wanted to ask, mm -hmm. so I know you went to Russia this February before this yes. COVID happened where there were almost 100 CEOs for uh, mm -hmm. from almost 100 different countries. Um, mm -hmm. And here, Sudiksha, you being an executive, 
you have to travel a lot and i'm also like i know your journey and i i also know uh, <laughs> my leader's journey shubhangi she uh, you know when, yeah. when uh, back in chandigarh when i was when i was the cfo for this organization uh, she was a mm-hmm. ceo and then she had to travel a lot inside india and then outside india as well and then she was still yeah. in college then she was a vegetarian she had to struggle a lot especially in europe and then in yes. the middle east so she was in egypt then she was in uh, poland and then she she was in in a, in a few other countries as well uh, mm-hmm. and then she, it was really really difficult for and because of a lot of lot of things like you know mm-hmm. convincing your parents managing your studies and then you know the kind of food and then obviously traveling alone right yeah. and sudeeksha you have traveled alone a lot you have to travel alone uh yeah. not sometimes but quite often how do you manage all of that you are now you are a graduate but mm-hmm. you you still have a let's say a family to answer you still have mm-hmm. other things to do so how do you manage all of this especially keeping in mind the uh you know the the stereotype that women cannot travel alone so how did yeah. you manage um yeah so i i yes i got a lot of chance to travel um, but also one thing um, about traveling is that i i traveled a lot i i used to travel a lot with my parents because my father is a government officer and he changes a lot or he changes his office a lot so uh, he is he is constantly being posted to lots of different parts of nepal so um, as of now i have got this chance of traveling to uh, around 30 different districts of nepal so i've been traveling a lot since i was i was kid itself you know going to uh, in in um, uh, going to my, uh, my dad's office and traveling to different lot of places it actually helped me uh, also connect and find out my hobby about you know uh, something that i love doing was traveling one of the part but then when when i grew up uh, you know like you mentioned there are a lot of stereotypes and there are a lot of uh, rules and regulations that a girl has to go through because of a lot of events and incidents that happens around the world because um, in developing countries um, like nepal uh, right now even in pandemic we hear a lot of rape cases we hear a lot of acid attacks incidents happening which automatically makes our parents concern about our safety and our health um, and this is really sad uh, that you know um, we understand that our parents are are very concerned about our safety and they want uh, they want us to be safe uh, but in the name of safety and you know just to be uh, myself and just to uh, do some daily task also i have to look into time and i have to look into uh, the environment that i am in and these are the kind of um, kind of things that a woman has to go through which is which is really really sad because you know we also have right to travel free, freely we also have right to see places we also have right to uh you know walk around in the night and even thinking about walking around in the night makes me scared even at this point of time why because the number of rape cases the number of acid attacks are increasing day by day and i cannot blame my parents for that you know i cannot blame my parents for saying stop caring about me because even even if they do not do i am more conscious so this is these are the reasons you know why our parents keep on stopping us from doing a lot of things keep on restricting us from you know um, taking a lot of steps uh, which is which is majorly out of our comfort zone which is why i faced a lot of challenges when i had to travel around 
And like you clearly mentioned that uh, in this organization, in when we are particularly in uh, leadership positions, we have to travel a lot for conferences and summits. Uh, so you know, when these kind of um, when these kind of uh, conferences and opportunities used to happen, uh, up to up to up to one point of time, what I used to do was I I didn't uh, I didn't inform my parents until the very very last moment because i knew if i if i told them uh, in the starting of the process itself they would convince me uh, convince me to stay and not go and i knew that because that had happened a lot of times with me you know um, when i wanted to go out with my friends for simply for a night out for simply for a camping or hiking i was not allowed saying that you know um, girls only only girls group should not go outside because it's not safe so this was the all this was like one answer that I used to get and then which also made me very very conscious about you know okay I think uh, the when 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 it's evening time and and it's night then seriously there are criminals out in the street and then it's not safe to uh, walk outside and that was the kind of thought process we used to have but you know when when uh, i grew up and then when i started getting opportunities then i understood about you know how to keep myself more safe and how to keep uh, how to be more self aware about these things as well so like i said i used to i used to hide these information from my parents um, and i used to tell them at the very last moment uh, i i used to tell my mom and dad that, okay, I got this opportunity and I have to travel. Um, and thankfully I got, I got a chance and my parents actually agreed. Uh, the first solo trip that I uh, did was, um, I went to India for, for a conference where I was selected as facilitator for one of, uh, for two of the, two of the national conferences. And that was me first time traveling to an unknown land where I didn't know, uh, any people. The only conversations that I've had with people was, uh, the person who took my interview, the person who told me that I'm selected and that's it on those conversation basis I got my tickets and then you know I started journey or like a journey of my solo traveling so that is how I started and I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of good people on the way because when you travel uh, there are there will be a lot of people who will tell you uh, will tell you bad things about the place right and there are lots of stereotypes assumption about traveling about uh, meeting strangers and this and that but I was fortunate enough that uh, I met a lot of good people on the way. Uh, I made a lot of friends uh, and I had this really, really amazing experience traveling uh, around India itself. And that was that was really amazing. Um, and after that, uh, I got chance to go to like Malaysia, Russia, Indonesia was my exchange. I went there with my friends. Uh, so these kind of this, so these were the things that i used to actually do but uh, but the the only point where i had to hide from my parents was when i was traveling to india Ap apart from that when i was traveling to malaysia and then russia as well uh, these things were well, well informed to my parents and at this point of time there had been a trust already built um, amongst uh, you know amongst me and my parents that they believed that okay i can take care of myself and and you know i'll manage things and um, you know it's it's okay for me to let go because i can make good decisions of myself and that uh, and to build up that trust actually it took me 23 years of my life uh, and it was not an easy task so that is what i used to do uh, when 
uh, when when I had to travel uh, around and not only in not only in uh, like not only outside the country but also inside the country it's this it's the same case so this is how I used to do no I mean uh, uh, like I remember you were traveling somewhere I think it was Russia or Malaysia and then uh, I think the immigration officer did not believe that you are traveling alone uh, or oh, you know yes. yeah, so <laughs> what is that about Oh yeah so i this this happened to me a lot of times in every country that i've gone this has always happened to me so uh, uh this happened first when i was traveling to india so when i was uh, going through the immigration itself i showed my passport and um, people people in the immigration like when you're traveling to india they do not ask a lot of question because it's our neighboring country and you know a uh, lot of people go for tourist purpose and every single thing so but then that a gentleman asked me that what was my purpose of visit and then i proudly told uh, him that i'm selected as a facilitator and then um, i have to i i'm going there representing nepal and i'll be i'll be part of one of the uh, one of the national conference in this organization uh, to which he was quiet for a, quite quiet for some time and then and then he asked me how old are you and at that point of time i was 21 uh you are 21 21 years old and you're traveling alone to india and he said he asked me and i told yes why not <laughs> and then um and then he he asked me so you're going to uh, going going there for a conference and you're representing nepal and i said yes i said yes and then to which he proudly later said that you know uh, there should be more girls like you so that was quite proud moment for me that even even the immigration officer were actually praising me uh, and the second incident which uh, which happened to me was when i was when i was going to malaysia same uh, in the immigration same the same incident in the immigration itself i was hold i was uh, i was kept in hold for 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 a very long period of time actually when i was traveling to malaysia i don't know there was some complication of with visas or or anything but then i and also i think they saw me alone uh, saying that i was i was going to travel and also telling them that yes i'm alone made them quite uh, quite shock and it took them around it took uh, it took around 15 minutes of good discussions um, amongst their team and then only they came to me and asked you know all the purpose and every single thing and this has happened to me a lot of time even when i was roaming around the streets of malaysia when i was um i went to this one mosque over there so i had never been inside a mosque and i or i really wanted to go and i asked over there if i can go inside and it was open for everyone so i went uh, so i wore that burqa and then the the responsible person over there who was you know the guide uh, he was helping me out with um, putting those uh hijab and every hijab, hijab and i was enjoying the process to which he asked me um who are you here with and i i told him like i was i was here alone traveling and to which also he was quite shocked asking you know you're traveling alone and in which country you're from and then i i told them from nepal and then again the same thing how old are you <laughs> and at that point of time i was 22 so i told them that i was 22 and you know these kind of incidents has uh, has happened to me a lot of times i don't know why people are so so shocked to actually see women traveling and that to solo i think this act as this this act like a this acts like a cultural shock for them to actually believe that a girl is traveling alone so yeah these these are some incidents that has happened with me 
is a crazy story sadikshan <laughs> so you know that would be like a cultural shock because uh, i think mm-hmm. when i first came to nepal i was also 22 uh but mm-hmm. you know no one ever asked me <laughs> these questions <laughs> you know let go uh and you know like i've been around and no one has ever asked mm-hmm. me that why are you traveling alone and all of that yeah. stuff right so sadiksha because you know you talked about traveling and you have to travel a lot being mm-hmm. uh you know especially when you were on the executive positions mm-hmm. and that uh, you know a lot of people think that traveling is good but i know there's one point when you because of the business you have to travel so much um mm-hmm. it it kind of gets frustrating you know when when you have to mm-hmm. travel here and there checking into hotels and hotels and everything that gets frustrating mm-hmm. at one point what is the best and the worst aspect of being a ceo uh so i think the best aspect of being um ceo is that you get to exp- like first hand experience challenges and also success and live the entire process uh very closely and that does not happen in other other positions is something that i've experienced because i've i've been in like i've been president uh in local chapter and also in uh, now in national national level and something that is really common is that this position allows us uh to experiment uh with, with a lot of resp- sense of responsibility as well it comes but then it helps us to uh experience things very very closely and that is like the best thing that happens in this in this role that you you see success also from a very near and close perspective and also you face challenge and experience challenge and struggles and failures also from a very close perspective and that itself is a huge huge learning uh learning that happens and th- that someone someone can get in their life um so this is this is the best thing the worst thing i would say uh I, the worst thing i would say i actually cannot think of a worst worst thing because eventually uh you know whatever wrong happens or whatever um whatever makes you feel frustrated makes you feel anxious everything adds up to your learnings so actually i have not experienced any any bad thing about being a ceo so far i've enjoyed uh my first experience also and my and i'm i'm right now also enjoying my second experience as well uh, definitely there are a lot of struggles definitely there are you know lots of challenges and right now since we are in the middle of pandemic when nothing is uh, certain and it, like every single day i have a one new challenge in front of me um and which is which is very unique that too like it's not there is no challenge or no struggle which is repeated every every single day you have a new challenge every single day you have a new problem and then you need to think from a wider different perspective to actually overcome um overcome and then uh, overcome these challenges and struggles so like honestly actually uh, i have never i i have not experienced knowingly uh the bad side of being ceo diksha heavy heavy ever thought mm-hmm. of stepping down i have in my previous experience as as chapter head 
uh, not not at this point of time, but definitely before I have. Yes. Right. And what what made you stay? Um, like same thing, motivation. Why itself? Like um, the the moment why I the moment the I I still remember very very clearly the moment um, uh, I took my phone and and I wrote down to uh, to my immediate leader at that point of time that. I cannot do this anymore and I want to resign. I, I clearly remember these words that I wrote down. And I was shaking at that point of time because never in my life I had thought that I would leave or I would even think to leave uh, an organization who has given me so much in which I've learned so much and I've, and I've experienced so much. Um, so even writing that message was, was a really, really difficult and tough task for me. But you know uh, that was that was momentarily thought that happened. Uh, but then uh, once I, I once I calmed myself down, once I um, had more conversation with my leader at that point of time, actually uh, actually my leader asked me that what was the reason why you joined or what was the reason why you took up this role for the uh, for the very first time. Um, in in the application that you submitted in the letter of intent that you wrote down to join this or to take this responsibility, why did you wrote those things? So simply these questions, like these were the questions that were asked to me and the answers which I gave motivated me instantly and pushed me to, to, to think otherwise and not take that decision. So once a person is clear about um, why that person took Took these took the responsibilities. Why that person started this job? Why that person uh, wanted or chose to invest his or her time um, in in this particular work? If if that is clear, then any any big challenges that comes ahead, any any big struggles or failures that comes ahead, uh, they are they are prepared to overcome overcome those situations as well. Right, I think the saying goes like this: Whenever, whenever, whenever you think about quitting, think why did you start in the first place? Yes, and I think yes, that's definitely very powerful stuff. Really, true, really true. powerful. Thank you so much, Sadiksha. And my last question mm -hmm. uh, to yes. you would be: What would be your advice to all the mm -hmm. emerging female leaders listening mm -hmm. to this podcast? Um. One thing that I would like to say is like every, every single person should be independent. Every single person should be self-aware. Every single person should ask themselves difficult questions. I would not be in this position if I, have not, if I had not asked myself a lot of questions, not a lot of difficult questions, or if my friends or if my, uh, if my leaders or if my coach would not, had, uh, would not have asked me difficult questions, I would not be here. So asking, like, I think one of the major problem that is amongst these young, uh, the, the young people in today's world is that they fear and they escape a difficult question. They escape difficult, difficult situations and they try to settle down to uh, things that are already available. Uh, people do not take a lot of risk, right? But there definitely there are a lot of changes. And to keep up that, you know, keep asking yourself difficult questions, keep motivating yourself, keep keep that why alive. And to those people who are uh, who are who are in the struggling phase or who are uh, just thinking, you know, of stepping uh, or thinking about um, changing changing the changing the thought process, changing their mind mindset, 
and something has just triggered in their head, I would like to tell them to keep on thinking, like do not let those thoughts fade away. Take that first step. Trust me, uh, even if you fail, you'll learn something. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid. Uh, uh, don't be afraid of being judged. Don't be afraid of, uh, you know, struggles. Don't be afraid of um, people around you. Don't be afraid of society around you. Because uh, People will keep on saying, people will keep on judging, people will keep on taunting and giving you sarcasm or sarcastic look, but do not ever live with regret of not trying. So one suggestion that I would like to say to every single person who is listening to this podcast, especially girls, is that do not stop trying. Ask yourself difficult questions, be more self-aware, keep learning, keep striving, and keep that passion and hope alive beautiful really th that's very moving satiksha mm -hmm. uh again as because whatever you said is very powerful stuff and it is reminding me uh, uh reminding me of a <laughs> lot of quotes that i read uh and there's this yeah. one i don't remember exactly but it goes something like mm -hmm. if a person ha if if a person has why uh that person can bear mm -hmm. almost any how and if, if you have a True. why, why do you want to do something, then how that, that something will figure out. Yes, it's very true. Very true. Sadiksha Garki, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. Uh, would you like to say something to our listeners before you, before we end this conversation? Uh, yeah, first of all, thank you so much, Manik, for actually giving me this opportunity to express because it had been a uh, very long period of time when, you know, actually these kind of conversation had happened. So I hope our conversation, you know, helped a lot of people out there and listeners out there with uh, how they can shift the mindset and how they can actually start finding their why. Um, and, and the sole purpose was itself about, you know, sharing our experiences and sharing our stories. So I hope uh, that worked out pretty well. Um, and I really, really enjoyed having this conversation. So thank you so much for having me. I'm sure it will, Sadiksha. A lot of people will get, you know, a lot of things out of this conversation. So yes, thank you so much, Sadiksha, for being here. Uh, I look forward to having a lot of other conversations on the Mani Kamra podcast with you.